Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Devian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today I am so happy to have Paul Moore, which he's the managing partner and founder of Wellington's Capitals, which is a private equity real estate firm. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How's it going? It's going phenomenal. I am super excited to dive into this great podcast together as we started talking right before the podcast. And I know that this is going to be some great value with what you went through, the wisdom you have, and so on and so forth. But before diving into all that, Paul, I gave a brief description and detail of who you are. Can you dive into that a bit more and tell us what you do, who you are, and so on? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I um, actually sold my company um, in 1997 to a public firm, and I was kind of lost for a while. I was in my 30s and uh, tried to do a little semi-retirement thing, nonprofit thing, and it just I'm this high-energy entrepreneur. So I started becoming what I thought was a full-time investor, and you know what? I wasn't. I was actually a full-time speculator, and I didn't really know the difference. And so as a result of that, I made a lot of bad choices with investing. I made some money. I lost a lot of money. And uh, I ended up getting into real estate. I started flipping houses, flipping lots uh, at a a lake resort area. And uh, over the years, I really was thinking about, wow, how do people do commercial real estate? What do they do to get into commercial? And when I finally uh, ended up building a multifamily quasi-hotel in North Dakota for the oil boom there. Uh, I learned a lot about apartments. I decided to stay in multifamily. My goal was to stay there the rest of my career. I ended up writing a book on multifamily called The Perfect Investment, but um, ended up branching out into self-storage and mobile home parks. Now Wellings Capital has five different funds in the arena of self-storage mobile home parks and uh, a few industrial and apartments. And um, our funds allow investors to have an on-ramp into diversified commercial real estate funds with well-vetted operators and properties. I mean, Paul, that is great. A lot of things to unpack there. And I want to start off from the beginning that you said, because you highlighted something that's very interesting, especially for uh, entrepreneurs that are striving to grow and so on. A lot of entrepreneurs see building a business and the the summum, the end goal is to sell that business. And like you said, have that retirement. And you were able to do that at 30 years old. Can we unpack that a bit of what you felt once you sold it and then you started that retirement? Why did you come back into entrepreneurship? Because I'm sure financially you had made it. Why did you get back into real estate? Like, Talk to us about that period in time, what happened with your thought process and beyond. Yeah. So I was actually 33. We sold the company and I woke up the next day, not feeling any more, you know, much different than I did the day before we sold the company. 
But um, I had this desire, you know, to, to really leave a legacy, do something important. And so I started this nonprofit organization. And, and it's hard to really wrangle up volunteers to do stuff that, uh, you know, that you're passionate about. It's hard to find people to do that. So we, we did that for a couple of years. But um, I was this high energy entrepreneur and I was bored. And I was actually, I, I thought, man, I'm going to be the best father and the best husband and the best friend. And it turned out I was probably the worst father and worst husband, at least of my career. Uh, I've been a father for uh, 28 years and it was probably the worst period because I was so bored. I wasn't fulfilling a purpose, you know? And I think that people who set their heart on retirement, I can't speak for everybody, but I've talked to a lot of people and they set their heart on retirement and they realize it wasn't what it, they expected, you know, and there's no, if you look back in the ancient Hebrew, which is obviously an ancient language, you know, 5,000 years back in history, is it five? Yeah, 4,000 4, plus years. There's no word for retirement. And I really don't believe that it's a great concept. I think it's something that the Americans have developed and set their heart on, but I just don't think it's a great concept and it's not something I ever plan to do again. That is so interesting. A couple of things to unpack there. First and foremost, when you are a true entrepreneur and you have that moment that you sell and then you're kind of doing other stuff, you realize how much the entrepreneurship is so much more than the money in itself. That's the byproduct. It's about service and impact. And then you create that uh, income that follows. So once you have that settled and you're like, hey, I'm not doing what I need to do, which like you said, is being a high-end entrepreneur, there's something within you that you feel missing. And when you said that, hey, I thought I was going to be an even better father, husband, brother, whatever the case is, and you realize that's not the case because a big part of me is not present anymore, and you realize that, I think that's so important to highlight because I truly believe, just like you mentioned, that if you are an entrepreneur and you love that stuff, you're going to work probably for the rest of your life. Granted, there are moments that's going to be a bit more like intense, like a sprint, and there's going to be moments that are going to be a bit more slow. But the second you stop working, in my opinion, there's a lot of atrophy that happens, right? Yeah. So that realization of like, hey, I'm working, I'm using my mind, I'm developing my thought patterns is going to advance. And like you mentioned, retirement is a new concept. It's like less than a hundred years. And if I'm not mistaken, it's actually Germany that started that ideology because back in the day, they had a lot of young kids that wanted to come into the, uh, to the workforce and the old people weren't leaving. So they created this and it made it like society, like that's the goal. But I don't believe as well, just like you mentioned that that should be the goal. If you're striving for retirement, it's because you're doing something, unfortunately, that you do not love at a high level. So I love what you just mentioned there. And Paul, let's go into the aspect of how you found your way into real estate and how that process happened. And then going from real estate to developing uh, commercial properties and going into that world. Yeah. So I had a friend who moved to town and he was bored. I mean, he, he wasn't bored as much as he didn't know what to do. And he had a lot of history with um, apartment maintenance, home maintenance and things like that. So we said, well, why don't we go down to the courthouse steps? I got all this money in the bank burning a hole in my pocket. Why don't we, um, you know, go buy a couple of houses on the courthouse steps at auctions and we'll see if we can flip these houses. Of course, the word flip wasn't around back in 2000. It was um, a fixer upper. Why don't we find a fixer upper? And so we did that. 
And it was so easy and fun that we, we actually started doing those. And we did about, I don't know, 50 or 60 houses over many years. And then I started flipping waterfront lots because I wanted something more to do. Uh, I got bored with flipping houses and I wasn't the one involved in the day-to-day anyway. I was doing the marketing and, you know, the real estate side and uh, that was fun. And then, but over the years, like I said, I couldn't figure out how do people get into commercial? So I did a small subdivision. I did some houses that I had built and I found out something really, really important, Christopher, then this is something that your listeners really need to know. You shouldn't build a house, an expensive house from the ground up if you don't know how to change the doorknob on your own house. I just, just a little bit of wisdom there um, that I found. And uh, at any rate, seriously, um, but we got into commercial. We just kind of stumbled into it. We didn't even know anything about apartments, but we built this quasi-hotel, quasi-multifamily in North Dakota to to take care of the oil boom workers there. And uh, that was how we got in. That is amazing. That is amazing. So essentially, like you said, start off flipping houses and then grew from there and then like, hey, what's the next step? Commercial. And w- within your, your your firm over here, do you guys have apartment syndication or it's all in-house that it's your money? Essentially, you're just growing your portfolio with partners. No, everything we do is through syndication. Okay. And uh, so we're syndicating, you know, we have a fund, a syndicated fund. And we're not the operator of these assets. So we invest in self-storage. We invest in mobile home parks. We occasionally do apartments and uh, in light industrial properties, but we're never the operator, but we are using the syndication laws to do this. Nice. Very cool. And as the real estate company is growing and you're going forward with all this fun stuff within your career, what would be the next step for you? Like, I mean, I feel like you're definitely enjoying this and you went throughout this process. Is there a next thing or is it at this point you have like the passive income coming from the business and just kind of let it ride out? Do you have other ambitions? And we will talk about your book as well. So if you want to squeeze that in, I feel like that could be potentially one of them. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely want to write more. I've written three books on real estate investing. I've got a fourth book almost finished. Uh, My third book was um, Storing Up Profits capitalize on America's obsession with stuff by investing in self-storage. And it's sitting here because it just came out from Bigger Pockets uh, two weeks ago today. Congrats. So that's that. Bigger Pockets Publishing published that. Um, but my next book is Warren Buffett's Rules for Real Estate Investors. And it's basically uh, taking Warren Buffett's investing principles in stocks and companies and applying them to real estate. And we have that book. There's a couple of us writing it and it's almost finished. We just need to get a publisher now. Um, But uh, that's one thing I'm passionate about. But the thing I'm really passionate about is this. Did you know if you took the record profits, not average, the record profits from Apple, General Motors, Nike, and Starbucks, you added those all together and you doubled that number. That's the approximate profits generated every year by human trafficking. And I'd like to believe if I was alive in the 1800s, I'd be fighting against slavery and trying to be an abolitionist. Or I'd like to believe if I was alive in the 1960s in the United States, I'd be fighting for civil rights. Well, this is a civil right. It is slavery, and it's happening right here in our time, Christopher. And so 
our company, Wellings Capital, is dedicating ourselves to try to raise money and raise awareness to free slaves and to bring them, uh, you know, true freedom and a, a new life. We did our first announcement of this um, two days ago that we were, we've been wor- thinking about this for five years, but we announced it on Giving Tuesday and we were able to raise over $60,000 from our friends and investors and from ourselves. And so we're really excited because that's going to be enough money to free 60 slaves because it's about $1,000 each with this organization we work with, which is called AIM. And we really love those guys. That is crazy. And what I mean by that is those numbers are staggering, uh, scary. And like I knew, like me personally, I knew that these things were going on, but not the numbers that you said. So there's a lot of ignorance around this subject. And you would think that it's like we're both in North America, you would think that it's other places around the world, but it does happen here right under our nose where people bring in from other places. So we are a part of this. So we have to be a part of the solution. So I love the fact that you've attached your business with a philanthropical cause that like interests you and is extremely important. So Paul, congratulations on that. Any that I could support you with that, please let me know. Uh, We'll talk about it after the podcast, but definitely congrats with that. I truly love that ideology of giving back. And side note for all the entrepreneurs, I truly believe this. And I do this all the time with my coaching clients. You have to give back in life. Even if you don't have a dollar, give back your time, give back your knowledge. If you don't have time, write a check, whatever the case is. Life is a question of giving and receiving. So you have to give. You can't just ask, ask, ask. So the more you give, the more comes back to you. I truly believe in that. And I love what you just mentioned there. And Paul, if you mind, I really want to talk about the aspect of after you left your company that you were working for Ford for many years, and then you started your own company and then you sold it. So the one you were explaining previously at 33 years old. Just clarify one thing. After you sold it, were you the ones that brought it to IPO? And if so, how was that process of bringing a startup company to IPO? Yeah, we didn't do that. The um, There was a company called Team America and they went public. It was a staffing firm based in Columbus, Ohio. And they went public, as far as I recall, in the spring of 97. And they were looking for an office in their neighboring states of Indiana and uh, also Michigan, and we were the Michigan solution for them. So they acquired our company. And um, then they were acquired later by another company. And um, I heard it didn't go so well. So that makes me sad, but uh, no, I had nothing to do with the IPO. Okay. Very interesting. So my next question that I have, Paul, for you, as this show is called the Peak Performance Greatness Show, and I truly believe everybody has greatness within them and everybody has control of their peak performance. Now, it's obvious that you're a successful individual. You've jumped from one business to another and just success out of success. What are some of the rituals, habits, methodologies that you do on a daily basis to be a peak performing individual? Yeah. So one thing that's really important to me is I'm pretty high energy and pretty fast paced all day. And so it's really hard to slow down in the middle of the day, though I'd love to get there, to be Mm -hmm. honest, Christopher. But it's really important to me when I roll out of bed to take some time to, to meditate and to journal and to pray and to think about the day. I glance briefly at my schedule for the day, and then I just try to get in the right mindset for the day. And I'm not really where I want to be with this yet. I mean, but I have been doing that kind of ritual for a lot, a lot of years. 
And it's led me to some really cool things. I mean, I don't know if we'll have time on this show, but I can tell you one time I was meditating and I got an idea that actually drug me from two and a half million dollars in debt to debt free right in the middle of the great financial crisis. And that idea came to me while I was meditating early in the morning. Okay. So many things to unpack here. So please listeners, like open up your ears properly here. How many successful people have to come on the show and go into other shows and so on and talk about their morning routine, the mindfulness practices, the prayers, the journaling, looking at their schedules to really see like, hey, maybe I should try this out. And this is just one example with Paul over here. So thank you very much for that. Second point I wanted to highlight, which was very interesting, how during your meditation, you had that epiphany, that aha moment that saved you so much financially and made you gain. Now, there is something that's happening in a neurological way. So your subconscious mind works best when your conscious mind is not working. So by Paul taking a step back and not thinking about that problem or trying to find a solution, just being at that moment of inner peace, meditation, even maybe playing sports, taking a shower, you leave space for your subconscious mind to find the solutions. In fact, uh, Thomas Edison, obviously the person that uh, discovered the light bulb, used to do exactly that. What he used to do is he used to take a metal ball during the middle of the day. He used to go to sleep, hold that metal ball. Under that metal ball, he used to put a, like a metal sheet and used to try to fall asleep. Why? Is because he wanted to activate his subconscious mind and have that moment of aha. And then what happens when you're falling asleep and you have a metal ball? You start getting loose and the ball drops and it hits the metal and then you wake up, right? He used to activate that subconscious mind for him to find the answers, but not to go to sleep. So entrepreneurs, like inventors have been using these technologies and these tricks at such a high level. So I'm not surprised, Paul, that you had that moment within that aha moment. So congrats with that. Very interesting. Thank you. My next question over here, and I have a couple uh, questions left, and I want to be respectful for your time here. So my question is, Obviously, when we bring people on podcasts, we talk about successes, we talk about what's been going good and so on and so forth. I feel like we do not talk about failure a lot, or we should not highlight that much. In this regards, I truly believe when we talk about people's failures or things that they didn't go good or something that right now they're doing that like, hey, you know what, I could optimize this so on and so forth is such an important conversation to have because the listeners, me, you will be able to understand what's your thought process towards certain difficulties that you're going through right now and how can you fix that? So my question to you right now is in your current business, what are certain things that can be optimized differently or certain things that you're noticing, like I have to work on this and what would be your thought process to fixing that? Would it be okay if I answered a question you didn't ask? I think that would be more helpful for the listeners. Please go for it. All right. And I will circle back, of course, but um, years ago, and it was about 15 years ago, I would go to these conferences and every year these people would get up on stage and talk about all their successes and I, you know, I was really impressed. And I remember feeling a little discouraged, though I thought, man, I, I, I just can't seem to do that. I can't seem to make that happen. I can't seem to have that much success in this certain arena. And I would sit around at lunch and on breaks and these breakout sessions with other people in the room, and they would be like this. Oh, I hear them speak, and I just want to quit. I just want to give up. I don't think I'll ever make it. 
And so I started submitting questions to them, like, tell us about what's wrong. Tell us about your failures. They never answered those. Somebody put them on the spot once on this panel and said, we want to hear about your failures. What are you afraid of? What are you not doing well? And none of them were willing to answer it. That's crazy. And it was terrible. And I thought, if I'm ever on that stage, I am going to talk about failure and I'm going to help encourage these people who think that they'll never make it. By oh, is the this way, the stage? Yeah, yeah, well, this is great. <laughs> yes. But, 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 but by the way, we got to know the family of one of those people on stage. We got to know the guy's daughter and he was the main speaker. We got to know them really well. And they said that they fought at home. They had problems. They had all kinds of problems. He was up there on stage talking about all their success as a family and all this. And we found out that they were just like us. And I was more encouraged and more hopeful when I found out that they were just like us than I was when he was talking about all the success only. Well, anyway, years later, I went to start a podcast and that was five years ago last month. And I went to start a podcast and I decided let's talk about failure. So we called the podcast, How to Lose Money. And we interviewed 238 successful entrepreneurs, investors, and business owners over four years. And we talked to them about their pain and losses and failures and everything that messed up in their life on their road to success. And that was a powerful, powerful opportunity to connect with people and give our listeners hope because these people that they admired so much, Gino Wickman and Mike McCallowitz and all these people, it gave them a chance to realize, oh, they failed too. I guess there's hope for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's the best answer I can give to your question, honestly. Perfect. So I love the fact that you have a whole show dedicated to that. And if I reshoot the question to you, do you have anything specifically on your end that you're like, hey, this is where I failed or this is where that right now I need to optimize? Yeah, I have so much. Uh, Actually, we are going through the EOS process right now, which is Entrepreneurial Operating System. Gina Wickman Traction rolled that out years ago. And I'm finding how much time that I'm not optimizing every day. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm looking like I'm leaving town tomorrow morning for six days. And I'm looking at how much more I'm getting done the last few days as I see the fact that I'm going to be out of work next week for four or five days. And so I just realized I've definitely got to dial in. And I've definitely been failing in that arena. And it's been, you know, honestly hurting my family and hurting my company, uh, not dialing in as much as I should. And so uh, that's definitely been a struggle for me, you know, for a long time. I love that awareness. And especially that you're noticing with the dichotomy of like, hey, when I'm going to leave for six days because I'm out of town, the days before that, I'm so much more efficient than when I'm just working and there isn't that deadline of I need to leave. So I love the fact that you have that awareness. And now it's like, hey, what can we do to optimize that to really go to the next level? So, Paul, first of all, thank you very much for being here, for just dropping so much knowledge on me and my community. Before leaving, I want to ask you one last question, which is where is the best place that our audience could reach you, talk to you, get in touch with you? Yeah. So for years, like I told you, I was trying to figure out how to get into commercial real estate. I didn't understand where the on-ramp was. So we've created some resources for people to find out about those on-ramps if they're interested in passively investing. 
And that's going to be at wellingscapital.com slash resources. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S capital.com slash resources. And we've got all kinds of things there that people can get and they can get a hold of us at wellingscapital.com as well. Paul, thank you very much. Everything you mentioned will be in the show notes below, guys, so you guys can go check that out. And have a blessed day, Paul. Thank you for being on. Oh, you bet. You too. Have a blessed day, Christopher. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.